0: You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. We're going to turn to Scripture now together, as Heather reads for us these opening words of Galatians. Good morning. Galatians 1, 1 1-5. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all of the brothers and the sisters with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, this year we reach a special milestone together. Since we started almost 14 years ago, we've been making our way through the Bible in different places each year, different books of the Bible from the Old Testament, the Gospels, and the New Testament letters, and in 2024, we will study our last remaining book of the New Testament. After 14 years, we will have studied all 27 books of the New Testament, and I think that's a pretty cool milestone. It also makes me just think, what grace that the Lord would give us 14 years together and the whole New Testament. Really a gift. We still have a ways to go in the Old Testament, in case you're wondering, though we're not far behind. The Old Testament, of course, is bigger and longer. We have nine books left in the Old Testament, and they're all in the Minor Prophets, those little books towards the end of the Old Testament. So we don't have those nine planned yet, but... Let's see what happens later in 2024 or next year. And we may have another milestone to celebrate soon. So Galatians is it. We open this last remaining book here this morning. We begin today. Certainly it's not last in our list because it was of least importance or lowest priority. Just kind of has to do with how they all fit together and we shape the year and what complements each other. And in some ways I think it's very fitting that we would be finishing with Galatians. And I want to tell you there are more than three, but I'm just going to tell you three reasons why it's fitting to finish here. Number one, Galatians is quite possibly the earliest of the Apostle Paul's letters. And so I think it's very appropriate that we would finish by circling back to where Paul began. Second reason related to that, this letter emphasizes the basic teaching of the entire New Testament, which is the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to bring. And in focusing on the gospel, Galatians is a celebration of freedom, the freedom we have in Christ. And so you see our series title is Set Free. That's what will accompany us. And Galatians feels like a capstone study with which to finish the New Testament. Third and last reason on my list this morning is this letter is written as a stern word of correction. Now hang on, I'm going to get to the point in a moment. But it's a stern word of correction to a church that had started off strong, but had lost its way. So they started off on a solid foundation of the gospel, but other things came along and got them off track in life. And as we reach our 14th birthday which will be next month, and we have now some years under our belt together, I think this feels like a good reminder. Not that I think we need a stern warning, though we should also say let's not be beyond that or above that. If the Galatians, then why not us? But simply because as time passes, we want to be asking ourselves the question, are we remaining and abiding in Christ? 14 years on? Are we maturing in our faith? Are we standing firm in the gospel over the passage of time? Or are we losing our focus? Are we slipping off track? Are we being pulled away by something that is more palatable than the gospel? Or shifting our priorities? So just a few reasons why I think it's good that we finish with Galatians. This book was also extremely significant in the history of the church. 500 years ago, there was a young guy in his 30s named Martin Luther, and he was deeply moved by the reading of Galatians. In fact, it became his favorite book of the Bible. In the year 1516, he taught on Galatians at the University of Wittenberg, and he taught on Galatians for seven months straight. And we're not going to do seven months, but he taught for seven months. He lectured on Galatians. In just a few months after he finished the lecture series in the spring, he nailed his 95 theses to the church castle door in Wittenberg. And there is no doubt that the book of Galatians is connected to Luther marching up to that door and starting, sparking what would become the Reformation. Two years later, Luther taught on Galatians again at the university in 1519. Those lectures were published and became one of Luther's most famous Bible commentaries that he ever wrote. A dozen years later, in 1531, Luther taught Galatians a third time, came back to the same subject, and listened to what he said about it. He said, We have taken it upon ourselves to lecture on this epistle to the Galatians once more. This is not because we want to teach something new or unknown. For by the grace of God, Paul is now very well known to you. But it is because, as I often warn you, there is a clear and present danger. Maybe Tom Clancy got his title from Luther. I'm not sure. There is a clear and present danger that the devil may take away from us the pure doctrine of faith. Listen very carefully to this closing line. The devil may take away from us the pure doctrine of faith and may substitute for it the doctrines of works and human traditions. And that is as relevant today as it was 500 years ago. So on a more humorous note, Luther once said that he loved the book of Galatians as much as he loved his own wife. He was always good for a funny one-liner. He said the epistle to the Galatians is my epistle to whom I am married. It is my Catherine, using the name of his wife. I think it's kind of a compliment both ways, if you really think about it, both for Galatians and for his wife. But I hope your curiosity is piqued as we begin our study today. And not just your curiosity, not just some intellectual curiosity, but really that your heart and soul are prepared to receive a fresh word from the Lord. I think this could speak to us on any number of ways. If you feel trapped by sin or stuck in life right now without hope, then Galatians is for you. If you're trying to figure out who God is and how to follow him, you're trying to disentangle religion from having a relationship with God, then this book is for you. If you want to grow in your faith, if you have been walking with Jesus, maybe for many years, and you desire to know more of the power of the Holy Spirit in your daily life, then Paul is writing this letter, and God has given it to you. So let's come expectantly. I want to tell you a little bit about what the winter and spring will look like. We're going to study Galatians So Palm Sunday, we won't be done then, but we'll pause for Holy Week. So Palm Sunday through Easter Sunday, Uh, we'll be in a different place in the Bible. And then we'll pick up Galatians again for the finish, and we'll complete it at the end of April. So on Sunday, April 28th, when we finish Galatians, we're going to throw a little New Testament party, all right, because we'll have finished every book of the New Testament. I don't know what a New Testament party looks like. But as my kids say, it's going to be epic. <laughs> so, And we love to recruit some to the party committee. But let's get to the letter itself. I want to show you a map, first of all, of where this is taking place in the world. This on the screen is, well, it's fuzzy, but you get the idea. This is a map of the Roman Empire in the first century A.D. And all those different colors that you see are Roman provinces, or we would call them states. And you can see I circle a region in yellow that's called Asia Minor. We know it today as the country of Turkey. And it is a huge area, you know, just to put it in an American context. Turkey, or Asia Minor, is the size of Texas, which is the second biggest state after Alaska. And this is where many of the first churches were planted as people Spread the news about Jesus. You've got to hear about Jesus. You won't believe what he's done for me. And they carried the gospel. I want to show you a second map that highlights one of those provinces in Asia Minor. So there you see the one in red. That is the province of Galatia, right there in the middle of what we call Turkey. The term Galatians is interesting because it was used in two different ways. It was used ethnically, And politically. And so if you have a study Bible, I'm just going to bring this up briefly. If you have a study Bible, you'll notice in the background and in the footnotes that there are two different theories about where in Galatia Paul was sending this letter. Did he send it to northern Galatia? He did if he's using the term Galatians ethnically, which goes back to the Gauls in France who came over and invaded 300 years before Christ. Or did Paul send his letter to the churches in the south? If he did, he's using the term generally, the political term Galatians, which was used for the whole region. I remember having whole mind-boggling lectures on this in seminary, none of which we need to go into now. But here's the key takeaway. If Paul sent his letters to the cities in the south, which the majority of scholars favor, What that means on the timeline is Galatians was the first letter of Paul that we have, written only about 15 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So, one last map, and this one just for fun. I think it's always good to remember that these faraway places and foreign names exist in real life. You could actually go there, and here you have what Galatia looks like today central turkey this is the place where the apostle paul and other followers of jesus walked the roads through the valleys you see beautiful mountain regions in this part of the world and they traveled from town to town across a place as big as texas carrying the good news of jesus and here and there during the message today i'm going to share a few other pictures you'll see in the backdrop that show what this part of the world looks like. In fact, I found a great theme. Central Turkey hosts a world-renowned hot air balloon festival. And so you'll see hot air balloon pictures in this part of the world throughout our time together. So with that in mind as an introduction, let's get to these opening verses, verses 1 through 5. These words form the three parts of a Greco-Roman letter and how it begins, the author, the recipient's, and then a greeting to them. So verse 1, we have the author. We, we usually end a letter with the author, and they started it that way. It says, Paul, an apostle. Dot, dot, dot. We're just going to pause here for a moment and then keep going. Paul is the Jewish man who so strongly opposed the way of Jesus. I mean, he would have marched across Texas just to arrest those who were following Jesus. And then God dramatically reaches into his life on the road to Damascus. If you want a little introduction to Paul, you could read later today or this week Acts chapter 9. And you hear about Paul's story on the road to Damascus. At that time, he was known as Saul with an S. And then he was encountered by the risen Christ and called into ministry, the very ministry he opposed. The term apostle that Paul uses literally means one who is sent And in the New Testament, it came to mean one who is sent and commissioned specifically by Jesus. That's why that today we don't have apostles running around anymore. Apostles, that was a time-bound role early in the church, those who were personally commissioned by Jesus. Because he commissioned them, they carried his authority. So as Paul writes, as an apostle of Christ... He does so with the authority of Christ. And for you and I today, so many years removed from then, that means that apostolic authority is found in the Bible. These are the words that God inspired his apostles to write. These are the words that carry his authority. Now we'll add the next part of the verse. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, Who raised him from the dead. There you see the emphasis on what we just described. Paul wasn't commissioned by some human authority or king, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. This is critical now as he addresses the Galatians in what will be somewhat of a stern letter. There's things that are going to be tough that he has to address. And the Galatians need to be reminded that Paul doesn't come on his own or any other human authority but he speaks on the authority of God. I love the little add-on that you see there, kind of this little piece at the end, who raised him from the dead. You know, technically Paul would not need that to have made his point. But he never seems to need extra reason to glory in the resurrection. And here he just brings a comma and he just adds it on like a little side note of exclamation. God the Father, he's saying to the Galatians, remember, raise Jesus Christ from the dead. It was like this little flurry of praise. And I was noticing the other day, in praying with my kids at bedtime, how easily our prayers, or my prayers for them, can focus on them and the things that concern them. Granted, prayer, and I don't mean to overanalyze it, prayer is just plain good, But if we're praying how the Bible would teach us to pray, then prayer shouldn't just be my thank you prayers and my prayer requests or even my prayer requests for the other people in my life. But what I'm saying and what I'm noticing in Paul and the rest of the New Testament is that it is good in prayer to celebrate the gospel. As we pray and as I pray with my kids, to have moments in prayer where we just say, thank you for the power of the cross. I mean, I can so easily just pray for this boo-boo and, and that problem and tomorrow's school day and on down the list, but just to find those moments in prayer where we say, Lord, you died for me. I praise you, God, for the resurrection, for raising Jesus from the dead. Praise God for the empty tomb. I felt like I needed to hear that this week, and this little clause from Paul helped to remind me. Maybe it reminds you too. Let's go to verse 2 now and see how the intro continues. Paul, an apostle, and then we'll skip that now. We have that extended description we just read. And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. So here you see how he finishes identifying the author... And then he names the recipients. Remember these three parts in the opening. Regarding the first part, Paul includes all the brothers and sisters with me to show that he doesn't write as some solo actor. This letter is not Paul's personal opinion about something, but he is surrounded by other church leaders who are appealing to the Galatians. And then we have the recipient line, which is short and sweet and yet shows us an important feature of this letter. This letter, like many others in the New Testament, was meant to be shared. So churches is plural. There are a number of churches in this area of Galatia that are supposed to receive the letter and pass it along to the next church in the next town over. So if it's southern Galatia, it would have been circulated to churches in Pisidian Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. And at each city... It would have been read aloud, like Heather read scripture for us. Someone would come up and would read this letter aloud for all the believers to hear. They are the recipients, and then it comes with this word of greeting, verse 3 Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you've read Paul's letters before, then you will have seen this greeting in one form or another. And yet, the full force of what this means should not wear off on us. Grace is the Greek word charis. Uh, we get our word charisma, by the way, from that. And Paul is playing off the typical greeting to any Greek letter that would have started with the word Karain, which means greetings. So Paul puts this twist on it and says not greetings, he says Grace. And peace, then, the second part of it, is the usual greeting in Hebrew. So we have the Greek greeting and now the Hebrew greeting, which was shalom, or in Greek, erene. And together, grace and peace form a combination, this wish, this greeting to you and I, of the best two things that you could experience in this life. Grace is the gift of God's goodness toward you, Shown above all in Jesus' saving work for you on the cross. That's grace. And peace is the state of life where you are whole and content. And your relationships are at ease. And that only comes by way of having received God's grace. So you see how they go together. Grace first. And then what do you receive? Peace. A peace, the Bible says, that surpasses all human understanding. It comes from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul expands from there in verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus gave himself for our sins for your sins, for my sins, in order to rescue us. Can you think of a time in your life when you've needed to be rescued? And I don't even mean in some spiritual sense right now, just practically. When were you in a spot where you needed to be rescued? I don't ask if, I'm just assuming I mean, I have so many examples that flood my mind. Seeing the weather this morning, I was 17 and flying down 94, and some buddies had borrowed my truck and took the sandbags out the back, off the back axle. And I went hard into the median on 94 over by Woodbury. Rolled multiple times, only because we had so much snow. Did it end the way it did? And I'm hanging upside down by my seatbelt in a... Truck that's crushed. And I kick the door open and I get out. What do I do? I insist I'm fine. <laughs> the ambulance shows up. I got blood coming down my head. I know you're not fine. Why don't you sit down? Isn't that a metaphor for life? You ever need to be rescued? So many examples that we could name dumb decisions, fearing the consequences. It checked into the ER in pain, not knowing what's going on, or maybe watching helplessly as a loved one is hospitalized. The Bible says that you and I need to be rescued above all from sin. And that's a word that you don't hear often anymore, but it is our basic need. We sin against God. We sin against others. By nature, we are selfish. And we're stuck in a world that has gone haywire. I mean, you read the line, this present evil age. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much it. So God sends us a rescuer. We just celebrated it, didn't we, at Christmas? He sends the rescuer in his son. And, Galatians says, it was his good and perfect will to do so. God didn't have to do that. His hand wasn't forced, and yet he wanted to. His good and perfect, pleasing will. And that leads us to verse 5 to close. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the only letter that starts with doxology. Usually Paul ends this way. He clips it right on at the beginning in Galatians. We finished 2023 a week ago ascribing praise to God in Psalm 65 if you were here on New Year's Eve morning. And we begin 2024 ascribing praise to God in Galatians by saying, glory to God, what are we doing other than recognizing the praise and worship of which he is worthy. So there's our introduction to Galatians. I don't know, as we did our table question, what goal, wish, or prayer came to mind for you for 2024, but maybe Paul's words give us some orientation. Something that puts all other things into perspective. That God saved me from sin. That he raised me to new life in Christ. And in the end, I have an eternal home waiting for me. In the glory of God. Let's bow in prayer together. Lord, we have been nourished in receiving your body and blood this morning receiving this meal of communion and now Lord you have nourished us by your very word. We thank you Lord for the gift of a new year. We receive it from you and we lay it before your feet asking that you would ultimately fulfill our every wish, hope, desire, and prayer. We love you, Lord, and we pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at theychurch.org.